Welcome to Raised on D&D Podcast. Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews with tips and strategies to enrich your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a dungeon master for over 30 years and a father to three gamers. Here is Nick Cartarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest lives in Los Angeles, California, originally from Norway. He's the founding member and DM at Los Angeles D&D Society. He's the chief game designer at Heavy Dragon. You know him from his work in TV series such as The Outpost, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Please welcome Thor Nye. Hi, Thor. Hi, Nick. Thank you for having me. That's a nice intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. You're really involved in the gaming scene there in Los Angeles. And we want to talk about your work that's coming out with Heavy Dragon. But before we jump into that, Thor, can you let us know when you started playing Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop role-playing games? (laughs) Yes. Uh, oh God, I was I was probably eleven when I first had my initial encounter with D and D specifically. Although I've been playing for as long as I can remember, there were like family weekend game nights, like for Risk and Scrabble and that kind of stuff. But I had a friend. Uh, we were eleven, went to school together. His older brother, and this was this was like early nineties, uh, was in the like anarchist sort of counterculture at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and he had, and he had this game and I didn't know about this game. My brother, uh, I mean, I, my, my friend who, whose brother this was told me about it. And he was like this, it was called the Dungeon Dragons. It was, you needed like 50 pages of prep work to even start playing this game. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this? I love it. I must have it immediately. So we, uh, basically made him play with us. I had some of our other older friends who we knew played D and D because it was so forbiddingly hard to get into, I just had to. And I've been playing ever since, so that's how that started. That is incredible. <laughs> Do you remember what edition that D&D was? So, you know, that was, that was like red box, blue box stuff. Wow. Um, way back in the day, I think, and then, and then, and, and, and this is funny, my mom bought me the Dungeon Master Guide for the second edition Advanced Dungeon Dragons. Uh, and this was this wasn't translated. This was this was when I was probably twelve, and this is in Norway. Uh, and you learn English in school, of course, but you don't you know we didn't you don't know it well by the age of twelve. You start at like seven or eight. So she bought me the Dungeon Master's Guide, Advanced Dungeon Dragon Second Edition, and then I tried my hardest to read through this and understand and learn the game. And it made no because you really should start with the player's handbook, right? But nope, started with the Dungeon Master Guide. And uh, and struggled through that and have had straight A's in English ever since. So that was uh, that was a fun fun uh, fun fun thing. Immediately benefits you what we would consider junior high. So that's great. Yeah, no. So that that was fun, and it's it's been uh, you know I think a boon not only for my GPA but uh, just in general. It was it was it just kind of opens your your eyes to the, the possibilities of new worlds and, 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 and other ways of thinking and that kind of stuff. So fast forwarding, you're a actor living in Los Angeles. You've been on some successful television shows. How do you feel that playing Dungeons and Dragons influenced your choice in becoming an actor and helps you with your career? I think that um, the 
definitely the fascination with with fantasy in general and you know lord of the rings came out at like prime of my teens and of course i'd read the books previously and game of thrones and all that stuff loved it and it, it just those worlds put on screen like that really really spoke to me and like braveheart sitting right ryan and i and i just i wanted to be part of this of the system that creates and tells those stories because they affected me so much um and i wanted to be part of it so being from norway that's quite the hurdle that no one there really thought was a realistic thing to do but uh but i've been i've been fortunate so you know i moved i moved here when i was about 21 um after like with money i made in the military i went to afghanistan in 05 and then spent that money to sort of get a year's worth of, of schools, acting school here, um, which then sort of led to me being able to stay in visas and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, as far as affecting my acting here, the, fu the funny part is I played actively in high school up until I left for the military in Norway. Then I came here because of D&D to a large degree, uh, but then sort of stopped playing because I didn't know the people here in sort of the nerd culture here yet. And I thought, you know, maybe that's something you kind of grow out of. Maybe I should focus on actory things with actors and actor interests. Uh, and that just never, that was just kind of never really grounded for me. And I wasn't very good at sort of that type of networking. Um, but then only a couple of years ago, well, six years ago now, uh, with fifth edition, I, uh, I started playing D&D again after a, a brief sort of break in half of my twenties. Uh, and, um, and it's been a great, I've been very fortunate since, but it's been a great journey to sort of discover just how many people here uh, in LA or probably everywhere, but like as adults who play and love these games, uh, D and D specifically. So my sort of networking and, and getting parts like the part in the outpost, you mentioned the outpost on CW, yeah, that part is directly from a D and D game that I got. Not the not the part of Kel that I the, the role of Kel that I played isn't a D and D character, but the people I knew that gave me the opportunity to be on that show comes from one of the D and D games that I was playing here. So, that. and then you know, and now I have the the I'm fortunate enough to play with a bunch of sort of what you would call high level players in the industry, uh, just in terms of D&D &D and in, in the acting industry. So being able to combine those two worlds in such a sort of organic, passionate hobby is really a great way to get to know a lot of cool heavyweights and like just people in this in the industry who, who have the same interests and sort of think in a similar way that I do and, and love the fantasy for the same reasons. That's fantastic. Now that kind of D and D has become more popular, a little more mainstream. Yeah, no, so, the development has been insane and great, and I love it. <laughs> yes. So when you hear folks say, "Oh, well, you know, Dungeons and Dragons helped me in my career in meeting new people," tell us how it happened. You've been invited to a role playing game, or you, or did you start a role playing game, or did it have to do with the Los Angeles D and D Society? Uh, it was loosely the LA D and D Society. It was a game that started because I was I was unavailable one Christmas because I go back to Norway for for the holidays to see family sometimes. Oh, uh, awesome. So they had started another game and invited another friend of mine, uh, Jake, 
Stormwon, who is, uh, you know, Captain Garrett Spears on, on the Outpost. Yes. And this was before the Outpost. And, you know, so we were playing with him uh, in our group. And, and this was Storm King's Thunder. And I think we played it to the end and it was great. Um, but at some point, he had to drive out to Utah to meet people for this part. And we were like, what are you doing? Like, why send a tape? Like, dude, just do a self tape. <laughs> why would you drive to you? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's, you know, these guys I know I did the Mythica series with. We're like, all right, fine. And it turns out what he was doing was auditioning for the outposts. And obviously he got one of the lead parts. Uh, and, and then he calls me one day after this was a couple of months after the campaign had ended. And he's like, Hey, uh, Sorry, I don't have anything bigger to, to offer you, but we, we're, you know, we're looking for this relatively small part. Would you, you know, I'm sorry to even ask you this, but like, would you, would you mind doing, do, could you, would you be interested? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what for the, for, to play an armored, like frontiersman sort of soldier guardsman knight person in decked out in full armor on horseback with my D and D buddy in the mountains of Utah and you, and you're careful about asking me, I'm like, of course I will do this. I don't care if it's only like two days or any of that stuff. He, but he's the nicest. And so he offered me that relatively small part, which I obviously gladly accepted. And we were just fist bumping all day on set when we were geared. Cause we were, we were players in that campaign, both of us. So we had been on, you know, fantastic battlefields or fantastical imaginary battlefields. And now we were on literally on horseback in full armor, fighting these like weird um, plaguelings. Uh, and it was just like, it was, it was kind of as close as you can get to that sort of dream come true scenario. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so, so shout out to Jake. He's, he's a great guy. That's a, that's a, I'm happy for him that that show is doing well. He's in Serbia now, right now, I think, shooting. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm obviously super jealous that the part didn't also get to travel to Serbia, but uh, <laughs> I'm very happy with, with what I got to do there. A lot of people don't realize the camaraderie that is formed at the game table. Right. Um, I, I, I try to explain it to folks like this. When we talk about TV shows together and we, we, we sit down and we're like, oh, did you see this show? And did you see what this character did and that character did? We don't do that when we talk about games. We talk about games in the first person. Do yeah. you remember when we fought that troll and you did this and you did that and then I fireballed yeah. and we almost all died, but we survived and then we got the treasure. When yeah. we talk like that, one, we get strange looks when we're out in public. <laughs> yes. But, but, but two, it's a fellowship, like you said, we had already been on battlefields together. Right. And even though it was around the game table, it was in the theater of the mind, you and Jake knew, hey, this is just like that time with that troll in the fire. Yeah. It was goosebumps, man. It was it, yes. was, it was, it was, per, it was a perfect moment. I know that your part was at the very beginning of the show. Your character's part in the story was so wonderful. It was so heart wrenching, even though we only got to see a little bit of that character. It was such a great plot instrument and was done so well. So I, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you for saying yes to that part and what an, an amazing job you did with it. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. And most of that credit obviously goes to the creators and the writers and, and, and Jake. But yes, that's, uh, that was a good time. Have you been able to go to game conventions or have you been able to game at the conventions that you've gone for media conventions? So I have actually not, and I will admit that I have not gone to conventions in any official capacity as my, as an actor. Uh, I do get luckily uh, free tickets to Comic-Con and WonderCon and things like that because of my career. Mm -hmm. But I haven't gone to do panels or anything. So I've gone to cosplay. I did, I did Thor for a while. And, uh, and, and so I've had a, a lot of fun at, at conventions in that capacity. Uh, as far as gaming conventions go, I haven't done as many. And, I, and I, that's really more my speed rather than comic books mm -hmm. uh, and media. I'm more into games. I'm more of a gamer. Um, so I have loved those and I've been very excited to go to the ones that I have gone to. And now with this project we have coming up, we were, we were slated to go to all kinds of gaming conventions this year to, uh, promote this product, which of course went straight south <laughs> because of COVID and they all got canceled and it was, you know, it was going to be Gary Khan. It was going to be, you know, the Indie Live. It was going to be... Obviously, all these like packs and, and all these other gaming conventions that we were going to go to with WizKids and, and as ourselves and promote this product, but that didn't happen, and that has been that is that that's that's sad. <laughs> I was very I'm hoping it will lead to conventions next year. We're we're definitely hoping that the uh, in-person conventions come back. I know that right. online conventions have become more and more popular. During the quarantine period, have you been able to game online with friends and family? Conventions online goes. I've only really ever done the BlizzCon virtual ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, although I do see that trend, and it's it's a nice it's a, it's nice to have conventions like that online because all of a sudden you can scale to infinite because you just, you know, you sell virtual tickets and you actually have real content and streams online, conventions can scale forever. So that's, that's great. I think that's a great development. Um, have you been able to at least role play via the internet with uh, things like Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds or just... Yes, all of the above. Um, we, we moved our, all of our LA D&D Society games are now online. Uh, we try to play weekly. Um, and, and yeah, we generally, we use mostly Roll20. Personally, as a DM, I use Roll20, but one of our other DMs uh, likes Fantasy Grounds, um, which is also a, an alternative. <laughs> I'm a Roll20 fan, personally. I've been on Roll20 now since about 2013. And right. so I'm, I'm partial to it, probably just because I'm used to it. And I know that Fantasy Grounds is a new option, and then there are more options coming out in the next uh, year or so. So I'm excited to kind of try those out. So Thor, do you are you stuck behind the screen, or or do you get to play every once in a while? I uh, so um, the, my games are sort of a Monday, Tuesday LED decided game, and uh, I, I DM both of those, and then I have I have an on and off one that I sort of guest star on when I feel like it. Uh, which is a uh, fantasy grounds one led by another friend of mine. But I play I play about once and I DM about twice a week. Okay. Current gaming slate in terms of what's on the calendar. <laughs> and and can you share with us what genre or premise or setting you're running on your games? Sure. Although I love creating my own worlds and I and I will again, I'm sure. I'm a huge fan of the of the pre-made campaigns that uh, Wizards publishes. 
for two reasons. One, they obviously know what they're doing. They're very, very good at their jobs, and the campaigns are fun and interesting and set, you know, in in, in the world in a in a nice, deep way. And I uh, and obviously that sort of helps lend realism to it. And two, it's like, you know, they keep publishing these and it's almost like a TV show where, you know, you're watching season one of whatever, or have you watched this show and that show? So playing through the campaign, you can sort of, you know, relate to other people who have played through the same campaign or, you know, do the water cooler talk just about things in that campaign or, oh, have you tried that one yet? Oh, that's great. You should this and that. So uh, I, it's almost like you have to be, it, it's, it's almost being part of the, you know, zeitgeist to know to know what these campaigns are and have tried them or as many of them as you can so and they publish them pretty frequently so we're like that trying to keep up and we've haven't been able to play all of them yet but we're we're doing our best but that does leave very little room for our own homebrew uh worlds but I'm, i've been a forgotten realms fan since the beginning like i i back in second edition i spent hours just staring at the you know um different campaign settings at the time in my local gaming store in Norway and we'd love with Dark Dark Sun and Spelljammer and Forgotten Realms and, and Dragonlands. And for whatever reason, I just picked up the Forgotten Realms one at, at almost at random back then. And that has happened to become the world now. So that works out for me. How do you pronounce the dark elf hero of Forgotten Realms' name? Uh, Driss Dorden. Okay. That's how I say it. But I'm, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of audiobooks read, read to me where, where, uh, was it Scott Bovine or whatever? He's great. He's fantastic. He, the guy who does all the Salvatore uh, audiobooks. And he pronounces it that way. So now I do. <laughs> <laughs> I ran a two year campaign for my family. Uh, you, uh, you know, my children are 14, uh, 12, and 11. And ah, a couple, nice. A couple, yeah, so a couple, we, and they've been gaming since they were choking on dice. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we we've been around the table a long time. And what I like to do is I like to put cameos of named characters into my adventures, right. just just passing through. And uh, during at one point during the campaign, they got to go to the Underdark. They got to be captured by Drow, and they're going to escape an arena. And one of the other slaves who is, you know, to be executed by combat is Driz. And they don't know who he is because they haven't read the books or played the video games or anything like that. So they're like, this whole conversation ensues of, can we trust him? He looks just like the people who put us here. Right. (laughs) And, uh, And then when they eventually escape and win, months after the campaign... They're seeing images online. They're seeing video game covers, thing, book yeah, covers. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, that's the guy. That's the guy who helped yeah, us that's... out of the arena. So I like doing little things like that to just kind Definitely. of make it more three-dimensional and take it, give them something to take away from the table. Thor, you're the chief game designer at Heavy Dragon. Let's be clear. I'm the, uh, there's only one. <laughs> it's not entirely true. Obviously there's, there's really three of us and we all, you know, have take part in the game design, but I'm really the, the chief head game designer because I literally, I, I would make the final call or I do most of the work on that end of things. But yes. Excellent. Nice. Excellent. So what, what kind of, I know that you have uh, some books in the works 
Can you tell us a little bit about what, what we can expect to see? Uh, yeah, so we have, uh, it isn't, this is very exciting. And if you told, you know, 11 year old me that I'd be actually would be publishing an official, officially branded D and D game or really anything in the D and D universe, you know, I, I would never have believed you. So now I'm, I'm still super excited. Uh, obviously, but we, yeah, we have, a, we have a board game that was supposed to come out later this year. Uh, that obviously may now not be the case, mm-hmm. but it will come out. Uh, and uh, when it does, it'll be very exciting. I can't talk too much about the specifics. Sure. Obviously, but um, it is a, a popular genre that we've tried to mix into a board game format and then using the D&D world and sort of uh, rule sets that people who, who either if you play D&D, you might be familiar with it, of course, and it, it not really simplified, but at least presented in a way that makes it easier for people who don't play D&D to still pick it up and, and probably enjoy the game. That's wonderful. And I, and I know, know you can't reveal too much. No one wants you to pull a Tom Holland here. Um, <laughs> we really enjoy those kind of role-playing slash board games where it kind of bridges the gap. Um, yeah, I, I do too. I, lo- I love the, the mix. I introduce new players to role-playing games at least a half a dozen or a dozen different individuals each year. And that is not like through active recruitment options. Um, Unfortunately, I don't get to game regularly. So when I run a game, I only run a, like a four hour, what what you would consider a game day or a convention session one shot um, every quarter. And I invite people. I just invite, you know, I'll be talking about gaming and people will be like, Oh, that, you know, I've saw, critical role or I saw something online about it and I'll say, Hey, well, if you ever wanted to try it, come on out. And those kind of role playing slash board games are excellent because people are used to board games. We all grew up on board games. People are comfortable with board games and it's a great little way to give us dungeon masters a break to be able to sit down and play the board game. But also (laughs) it it helps those people who are kind of, uh, I'm on the fence. I don't know. Uh, the improv scares me. Um, I, I'm not sure about all the dice and they can sit down at a board game and, and kind of take that next step. So I think that's wonderful that you have that coming out and we look forward to it. We, we hope that you let us know when it does premiere so that we can spread the word. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and we're very excited and we'll definitely let you know. And uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the thing with, with this board game is it does not require a dungeon master, right? So it's, I guess a lot of people, like some of us even grew up, you, know, you had all the books, you had you many books and you were so excited and you just didn't have enough friends or you didn't know what, you didn't know anyone who was a DM. So you couldn't really get a game started uh, or you just couldn't commit to like every week. And these a game like this and the ones that you're describing is you can sit down and, and just play it once that, you know, that evening and you don't require special knowledge or a dungeon master or any of that prep work. So, so, and, but it's still, you know, the world and there's still some of the characters this possibly, or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So That's I agree. Great. It's, it's nice. I mean, I'll say this, we're lucky. We, we managed to get WizKids on board here and they make minis, right? So they may, they're making us beautiful, beautiful minis for this game. 
uh, and where, yeah. So the, the, like you were saying with the, with the visual aids and all that stuff, um, is, is super helpful, not only in your only D in your D and, you know, when you're playing with friends and on a tabletop, but in your game, even like I, I, I use, I still use my hero. Have you ever, have you played hero quest? Yes. Yes. So I, as a 13 year old or 14 year old painted my hero quest minis terribly. It was a terrible job. Uh, you, might, you know what? I might even have been younger. I might have been like 11, 10 or 11 when I, when I did that. This was pre-D&D. But as I pent, painted all those minis and I cut up the board because no one, it was an old game. No one really played board games then. We were way more into D&D. So I cut up the board, the board itself. So that became a modular dungeon that I could just like lay out the pieces however I wanted and wow. painted the minis. And to this day, still use that little set of like a bunch of, you'll even see if you go to the LA D&D uh, Instagram, uh, you'll see our, my little old HeroQuest minis being used to portray everything. So that's, that's still a thing we're doing. That is incredible. And I, you know, I, like my children are so spoiled. Okay. I can't, I can't even, I can't even begin uh, to explain. Uh, they don't Oh my feel God. Like I can only imagine that growing up with a father or a family member or whoever who was so into games that they would make me play games like that with them. Oh my God. <laughs> they just have all the miniatures, all the terrain, all the books, um, you know, 30 years of, of experience. I, 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 t I tell you, I, I, I ruined them for other dungeons <laughs> ruin them fair enough um, and and to tell them stories about how well we didn't have miniatures so we had to use different size coins to represent yeah. heroes and villains so yeah. that we could do or we just had to sit there and say how far is 10 feet away <laughs> right exactly how far is he for me where am i in relation to x so there you were with Hero Quest, which apparently goes crazy uh, expensive on eBay now for a for yes. box. I completely ruined mine, clearly, but it's it's you know it's still serving me well. But I, this was in Norway, mind you. So I actually had to bring all of like that's when I, I at some point I brought a bunch of my what I considered essential gaming supplies to California when I moved here, and the Hero Quest minis <laughs> were part of that. So. Now, Thor, I know you're a veteran, and thank you so much for your service. A lot of my friends who served in the armed forces tell me that Dungeons & Dragons was very popular during deployments and being stationed away from home, things like that. Now, did you have that experience uh, with the Norwegian army? Uh, we, you know what? I tried. We, we tried to set up a game, but uh, it, it, unless everyone you're playing with is the same unit, or squad or or whatever it's really hard because you know you, you you rotate responsibilities in camp or on deployment or whatever so you, you almost never have the same people together uh unless you need literally the same unit and and unfortunately when it came to afghanistan and a lot of stuff my i did not have people who were interested in my unit um to play with like that but i, I can totally see why and I imagine with uh, American troops, true too, where it's there's so many of them in such massive bases that you probably have a large crowd of of, of people who, uh, and then and then you you know then it's much easier to, to to play some games. But I I definitely support that endeavor because being able to get together and forget the realities of you know the day 
down there makes makes a lot of sense. So even though I didn't, I can I can totally see the value there. So Thor, thank you so much for sharing with us all the benefits that Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role playing games have have given you throughout your life. A lot of our listeners are families. A lot of our listeners work with youth and the next generation of right. actors and directors. And what advice do you have supporting their 10 and 11 year olds that have found the red box? I mean, your, your audience probably already did this, but first, first of all, you got, you got to, you know, listen and be, and, and at first maybe even have to pretend to be interested before you're interested yourself, <laughs> but like actually, you know, sitting down with that kid who found the red box and, you know, looking through that and play and play, just supporting their board game interests or whatever fantasy interest they might have buying the, you know, the books, things, things like that to get them interested in discovering new stuff and learning about a new world just fostering that i think is incredibly important because i mean i can get all philosophical about dnd and like what it tells you about you know racial tensions and religious tensions even when it comes to just the fantasy races and the fantasy religions relating to these things in a fantasy format helps relate to these things in real life and and those are some important life skills i will i i personally believe uh not to mention just you know problem solving and teamwork uh, and this i guess i would call it this uh the curiosity you need to to want to learn new things i feel like i got that in, in a large part from gaming and once you're curious to learn new things that doesn't stop at gaming that doesn't stop at religion or politics or anything else it just you now have a person who, who, who gets a dopamine hit every time they learn new stuff. That's and right. that's like, there's very few things are that valuable in life as that dopamine, being able to program that dopamine hit into people at a young age, <laughs> I think. That is fantastic. And I couldn't agree more. Role-playing games, uh, as, as, you, as you dive in, you, you start to ask questions that, that the books don't always answer. Yeah. How, how heavy is armor? Right. How hard is it to swing a sword on a horseback? Um, right. These are things that lead you to history. These are things that lead you to metallurgy. These are things that lead you to uh, building catapults in the backyard. These 100%. Are th- 100%. <laughs> yes. Those, yeah. are the, those are the things that, that D- Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role-playing games leads to. Uh, so moms and dads, you've been warned. Uh, that- <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss uh, that boat. If you see that boat, jump on it. That's right. That's yeah. right. Thank you again, Thor. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your contributions to the gaming community and, and to our entertainment uh, on television. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. You've been great.